Hello and welcome back to the Front Road Podcast. We are a day late, maybe, putting this up, but yesterday we watched the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, <laughs> um, and uh, what a great race it was, refreshing to see after a poor Monaco uh, race. But um, firstly, we're not going to start with a team. I want to uh, go to you, Rian, you being the aerodynamicist here. Flexi wings. We've not talked about it on the podcast yet. It is the hot topic so far. First of all, why don't you explain why teams are using flexi wings and then give your opinion. Should they be banned? Should they be kept? Let you do it. Let teams do what they want. What's your opinion? So, what is a flexi wing? Well, yeah. So, a, a basically, what, what a wing is, it, at the simplest terms, is basically you have almost a right angle in terms of your aero part and what it does is it forces air upwards which forces your car downwards but if you have a flexible wing some of that angle gets taken out while it flexes down and so that reduces the amount of force that's being pushed down onto the car which means the faster you go the less down force you get and obviously the faster you can move through the air because obviously the drag is being reduced also now where you want the downforce is in the corners and in the corners you need slower speed so when you put your foot on that brake and that wing flexes back up again you now get a peak a rise in downforce and uh, that's why it's beneficial to the teams i guess it's a really subtle version of the drs right in the drs you have that massive wing opening but in this way it's getting the wing out of the way a little bit when it's fast and getting it to pop up up again when they go slow and they need all that stickiness. Exactly, exactly. And it's something we've seen actually in road cars in the past few years. They've been kind of uh, playing around with this sort of thing. Uh, the Ferrari 458 being the most um, prominent of which you see they have a little moustache at the front. And that's used to uh, change the downforce depending on what speed the car is going. So... All this controversy was started by uh, uh, comments from Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton uh, talking about how the rear wing of the Red Bull flexes much more than anyone else's. Now it's come out that the Mercedes one also flexes, so I don't know what they were talking about. But this isn't the first time we've seen a flexi wing in Formula 1. Red Bull did it originally with their front wings. And you, there were there was massive flex in them. The FIA said, no, we don't like that. They introduced these tests, but they managed to get around them. Fionn, do you think these... One, why are the FIA trying to stop this? And do you think it should be banned? Or do you think the teams are even doing anything wrong at the minute? If it's passing the test, should it be legal? Yeah, so to start at the first question, why the FIA are trying to cut down on this... To be honest, I'm not really sure. My guess is probably to do with a little bit like why they took some of the some of the floor off the cars this year. Try and control the amount of downforce that these cars have to make it a bit more even playing field. I imagine as well the techniques involved to develop this kind of stuff uh, relate to the amount of money you can spend. And so they don't want these really rich teams running away doing absolutely crazy stuff that the, that the poor teams down the back will never be able to. Um... Personally, I kind of like it, right? This is kind of the point of Formula 1 or has been for a long time is the the cutting edge technology of motorsport, right? And they're always trying to bend the rules. And it's they found this weird zone where the rule says the wing can't move whatsoever. But to prove that the rule 
is in place, you gotta run a test. And so they're in this thing where it fails the rule, but it passes the test. And so is that breaking the rule or is it not breaking the rule if it passes the test? I kind of like mm. it. I think it's, I agree that it's this cat and mouse. I like that the FIA is also trying to stop it, if you know what I mean. We can't have these yeah. things come in and just pile on top of each other. But this cat and mouse game we see every season of, uh, what was it last year? The DAS uh, that yeah, Mercedes yeah, yeah. had where they pulled the steering wheel. I kind of like it, right? All these things get developed and the FIA shuts them down as quick as they can. And then the teams all try and find some other thing that bends the rules slightly. So I kind of like, I don't, I don't want the teams to ever be scared to kind of go, and try and push the envelope a little bit and sneak something by. Of course, could get a Ferrari thing where they get caught and then you get a uh, serious mm. punishment on the L engine mode <laughs> sentence. So that was kind of difficult. But Well, yeah, this is exactly my point with the FIA. Like the whole Ferrari thing where the FIA decided to uh, punish them outside of the kind of general public and uh, then subsequently last year with the DAS the DAS was kind of outside the rules like there was a rule there a bit of a grey area that said your your steering axis has to be fixed but you know not necessarily like you can change it maybe but it, the, the point is the FIA decided to allow this for Mercedes and then cancel it the next year around the same way they allow certain things with Ferrari and I think because Red Bull don't have that pedigree in the motorsport like Mercedes and like Ferrari they kind of get chastised a bit more than the more established teams now this whole thing with the flexi wing I mean like it's literally impossible to have your wing move zero percent during a race because Mm, it's mm. it's carbon fiber it's there to you know flex a little bit in certain directions because that's the nature of it if we made it out of titanium or whatever yeah brilliant it won't flex at all but at the same time, we're going to have cars racing at 100 miles an hour as opposed to 200 miles an hour because titanium is much heavier, um, you know. Yeah. So, like, these sort of things, there has to be a little bit of leeway in the rules. And I think, you know, there's engineers being hired specifically to find these loopholes. And that's the whole sport. We're not watching stock car racing. We're watching Formula One where 50% of it is, you know, the engineering prowess behind of it behind it and 50% is the driver and that's what makes it such an interesting sport as opposed to some of these other ones I mean I think so the best the best rule was well it was a Tyrrell that went well none of the rules say it can only have four wheels and they put on yeah. an extra set of wheel. Six like, wheels that's the, and that's that was the, totally legal totally they were legal. let do that for a while uh, and they were gonna do it for their next car and then the uh, Formula 1 brought in that you cannot have four wheel drive and they would have had not four-wheel drive, but it actually was four-wheel drive because the four wheels at the back were driving the car. So technically, yeah. yeah they decided, drive. though, that they'd move the four wheels to the front. Uh, so as you'd only have two driven wheels at the back. But the FIA found a way of cancelling that as well. Mm. But my, my actually, one thing that I remember is the, the FIA are getting a real bee in their bonnet about this flexi wing situation. When... Next year, we're moving back to ground effect being a thing. So, like, that's pretty much saying, okay, for this year, don't do flexi wings. But next year, flexi wings are back on the table. I think it's a bit pointless. Like, if they pass the test, they pass the test. Stop getting your a bee in your bonnet about this sort of thing and just move on. Yeah, that's what I was going to touch on that with you. And you mentioned that how some of these rules that are being broken in inverted commas 
with the Ferrari and with Mercedes, uh, they kind of go, okay, well, you can have it for the rest of the year and then uh, change it for next year. But with the massive rule changes anyway, none of this is going to matter. Um, so, and they're, they're bringing, I don't know what exactly, it's been a bit wonky, but they're bringing something in for France or they're doing something about this mm-hmm. flexi wing malarkey for France. A new test, I believe. A new test or something. Anyway, why are they changing it now? Why don't they just go, have your fun with your flexible wings and then we'll discuss it next season with the brand new regulations. That yeah, absolutely. Out. There should be kind of an element of, okay, you got us this time. Fair play. You found the loophole. Next year will be different. Like, yeah. if, if someone finds something that is perfectly legal to do, why are you then chastising them later on to say, okay, now you were bold? Because they found a way around it. Mm-hmm. They passed the test. It's legal. I think, to be honest, I my guess would be it's about, like, a little bit in that law terminology in that they need to set a precedent, right? They need to set all these precedents for themselves to say, well, when we caught Mercedes, we did this. And when we caught Ferrari, we did this. And when we caught Red Bull, we did this. So that... In the future, it might not be a flexi wing, but they essentially lay out this groundwork of how their punishment scale kind of goes. Because Mercedes were allowed to use theirs for the whole year. Ferrari got halfway through the year before they caught it and then were immediately told to pull the engine, find, we don't know, that was all done outside of... uh, outside the public eye that none of that information was released but they were punished really heavily now my guess is the flexi wing might be told to be stiffened up but i don't think they're going to face any kind of monetary fine so my Mm. my suspect is that they're kind of laying out what kind of punishment fits each crime and they're saying well it's not just you you broke a rule right because that's what allegedly what ferrari did they're saying they kind of tricked the test as opposed to had something weird going on, if you know what I mean. They they were mm. skirting around the tests that they were doing and essentially making the engine more powerful when it wasn't being tested. Uh, and that got a huge fine, whereas a flexi wing, I, I highly doubt, is going to be any monetary fine. So I guess they're trying to say engines are off-limit, wings are mostly off-limit, and trying to set that kind of parameters. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. you got to remember that this is a marathon, not a sprint, so... Anyway, we will move on now to the the race result. Azerbaijan, Baku, great race. It's always a great race. We expected that. We will start, as we always do, with Fionn's favourite result of the weekend, and that is Haas. Fantastic. Not last place again. Nope. Finishing P13 and P14, I think. And yep. Or did, did Latifi get a penalty? Or he did. He did. Oh, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. 13, 14. Is 13, 14. Yeah. 14-15 on track, but 13-14 and 14 with Latifi's penalty. Yeah, yeah. Fionn, both cars finish a race. As always, great yeah. result. Yeah. And I mean, finish ahead P9. of a car running as well. Two cars. Finish two, two cars. Two cars. Ooh, one baby. car on track, yeah. which we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but P9 in the Constructors' Championship... Yeah. What you've been saying has been making sense all this time. I don't, I don't always hit on these hot takes, as I'm sure you guys are going to point out as the season goes on. I stick my neck out a lot, but I think I kind of call this one a little bit right. They're on this consistency. finish the races. It's a lot harder finish than you think. Finish both races, and you'll get there. And, and I'm sure I'm sure there is a massive, especially for a team like Haas, there's a massive financial gain oh, 
in finishing P9 to finishing P10. And uh, Rain said it in our group chat. Gunter Steiner is going to be billing that as we beat Mercedes. We beat Hamilton in a race. Mm-hmm. Give me mm-hmm. sponsorships. Give me races. We can build this thing. We've got a consistent car. And it just goes to show you, right? This didn't happen last season. Grosjean and um, Magnussen, they kept crashing. They wouldn't finish races. There was always issues with reliability, whether on the driver's side or on the car side. So this is a fantastic season for Haas so far, I think. Mm. Rin, what did you make of it? I don't know if you could call it a fantastic season for Haas, but... <laughs> well, I go on, I'm, are, I'm like, saying, like, like where your goals they, were and where... Like, better than expected. Better than expected, yeah. Yeah. They are still, of course, the laughing stock of... Formula One, and you know what? One of my predictions was that they'd finish with negative points this year, and I think they're going towards it. Like, I think attempted murder probably, <laughs> probably should come with a points deduction. I don't no. know if anybody saw it, it wasn't televised on TV, but yeah. Nikita Mazepin legitimately tried to murder Mick Schumacher as he passed him at the line, and he he actually talked about it afterwards and said, "Yeah, I was a little bit pissed off that he was going to beat me again, and that's why I weaved all the way across the uh, the straight just to get in his way." Like th- this is two hundred miles an hour, three hundred kilometers an hour that these guys are going across the line, and Nikita Mazepin wants to scare the shit out of his teammate. That's just not on. Yeah, I think. Though, if Mazepin is to get any sort of punishment through the year, it will be a personal punishment. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a fine for him or super penalty license points. points. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, d- I don't see him being the cause of Haas losing points as a team. Right, but it was brought up during the week that, you know, um, you win as a team and you get penalised as a team. At, at some stage Haas needs to be accountable for bringing this guy to Formula 1 you know uh, like Latifi was told stay out stay out stay out stay out stay out and then as soon as he went down the straight your man was like oh no what are you doing you should have come into the pit lane and he was like man you said stay out a hundred times on the radio that means stay out of the pit lane and he got a penalty as a result and that's fair enough because you know it he may have done nothing wrong, but the team did something wrong. And I think bringing this guy to Formula 1 is something wrong. They, he, if he starts <laughs> doing dangerous shit, start. if he starts doing dangerous shit, has need to be accountable That's for that. That's a terrible precedent to set. I know what, we're going to find any team that brings a shit driver to Formula 1. Yeah. See, I, I Look, don't I'm agree just, with I'm you just, because... I'm just hoping for my negative points so, thing to come so through. So how many... I'm not, how... I'm not really like... How many more bad Ricardo finishes before McLaren start getting fined for <laughs> signing a shit driver? Uh, <laughs> no comments. We'll move on to that in a minute. But first, or secondly, I suppose, Williams. Uh, George Russell, another retirement right after putting in a brand new engine and then putting in the old one, two engines down the swanee. Uh, and then Latifi, obviously, as we just spoke about, was told to stay out, and he did, and got a pen- penalisation and finished last on track behind the terrible Lewis Hamilton. Uh, so a bad result for him there, but um, you kind of have to feel for them a little bit this weekend. It didn't really ever get going for them. And another Q2 uh, showing for George Russell, though, so I suppose positives. Yeah, George didn't even get a chance to bottle it, which was 
unfortunate. You know, he, he was right there. He was going to take Valtteri Bottas and then yeah. put it in a wall. Um, but he didn't even get a chance to do that. So on the race restart, he was lined up behind Bottas, and I was I was hoping for a lunge. Triggers, up the... <laughs> triggers that contract clause. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for a lunge up the inside and just I thought just storm him or something. But yeah, I, unfortunate. I thought when he saw Lewis lock those front brakes and go flying off turn one, he's gonna tell his engineer like, "No, let me back in this car. I'm gonna pile drive him from behind." <laughs> <laughs> See, back is back is very flat, and he couldn't get the lift off. Nah, nah, to, yeah, to yeah. Send yeah. But, but I mean, he was going to take his shot and just like get him from behind when he wasn't looking. <laughs> yeah, I poor, think poor result all around from Williams. One one point I will say, as much as I've disputed Reigns Russell Butler opinion, uh, I would like to see him start translating all these Q two qualifiers into a Q2 finish, if you know what I mean. So, between, like, 15th and 10th, if he could get to probably 15 is a great result from... Uh, I'd, I'd like to see him start do that a little bit more often. Looking at their, their main competitors now at this stage, as the, the kind of cobwebs have been shaken off all the teams, it seems like they're now battling Alfa Romeo, who we thought would have been battling Alpine, but they seem a step ahead. But Alfa Romeo now have a point on the board, mm-hmm. which could be a very lucrative two points. point. Two points, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, they have two. Two points on the board. So they should. They really need to be finishing ahead. One of them needs to be finishing ahead of, of one of the drivers at least. I think, I think on race pace this season, they've been cut adrift a little bit. I think Alfa Romeo have been cut adrift, as we said, of Alpine. And I think they've dropped Williams. I, and I think Williams are a step above Haas. But then nowhere near close enough to Alfa Romeo on a on a regular race weekend, especially during the race, of sticking with them. Hmm. It's, so it's almost like we have a bottleneck at that third place in the constructors championship. So it's between now Ferrari and McLaren, and Ferrari are actually looking more stronger at the moment. But like, so everything has gotten really compressed at that point, but it's spreading out beyond at the back of the field. So like Haas are getting further behind. Williams are kind of stagnating, but because everybody else is moving forward and towards that midfield, they're kind of getting cut adrift, as Fionn said, of of the rest of the pack. Mm. Yeah, it's it's troubling, seemingly troubling for, for Williams that, they're, they've not really made any progress from last year. Mm, with the financial uh, takeover and everything like that, you would really expect to see more of a um, more of a step forward. But at the same time, you know, it might be a hat situation. They might be saying, "Okay, twenty twenty, or what year are we? Twenty twenty one is just a year to get through, and then next year is our year." We don't know. Like th- this is the most kind of up-in-the-air season we've ever seen in F1. Just seems mad to have a throwaway year when you have probably your last season with your supposedly star driver. It seems a bit of a waste, doesn't it? I guess it does. I guess it does. But maybe Williams don't see it that way. Maybe they say, well, you know, he's going to go away, but Dan Tictum or whoever's next, Roy Nassani, will be that next star driver. And because he's coming into a brand new car the same way as everybody's going into a brand new car, he's going to be on the same level playing field as everybody else. Mm, mm. 
So moving on up the order now to Alpine. Uh, they're very good this weekend. Now, unfortunately, with Ocon re- retiring, and uh, maybe, as you were saying, Fionn, to me earlier, Alonso a little bit lucky with his P6 finish, but it, overall in the race, it wasn't too bad for Alpine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I did say lucky. Now thinking back a little bit, I don't think, I don't think lucky. I think we have to give him credit. I think he took advantage of that red flag, uh, which mm. of course all the drivers were in. So fair play to him for that. Uh, but that definitely made his race look a tiny bit better than it was. I, I believe he he got a couple of spots during that restart. So uh, fair play to him. Obviously. Very disappointing for Ocon. The commentators mentioned that he he crashed in FP2, I believe. And they said maybe it could have been related to that some issue that was never that was never fixed. Mm. Ryan, what did you make of Alonso's race? Yeah, I thought he, he, he was driving well the entire day. Um and yeah, you say maybe he got a bit lucky with the restart, but I mean what we have to remember is Alonso is always lightning on the starts he always Mm. gains places so it wasn't so much luck that got him to where he was i mean i know he was lucky that the red flag got thrown but it's skill skill from the start that got him to where he was and really if you if you look at that replay again it there was some impressive overtakes it wasn't just down the straight he got a guy in turn one he got a guy in turn two so I think it was just a really impressive drive overall from Fernando Alonso. And I would have liked to have seen what Ocon could do as well uh, if he had have, you know, survived longer in the race. And it was just unfortunate that it, was a, it wasn't even a driver error that got him. It was, it was a, an engine failure or a sensor failure that caused the, uh, the power to cut. So are we seeing Fernando Alonso gaining traction now after a false start? It's unquestionable. A two-time world champion can't be a poor driver. So are we? Well, seeing... according to Fiona, four-time world champion can be a poor that's, driver. That's no, true. But that's we'll... <laughs> incorrect, and we will address this later on. We will. But are we seeing Fernando Alonso come back to the Fernando Alonso that we all know? Fiona, uh, let me let me tell you that after I see him in France. After you see him in France, okay, Rin. No, I'll be asleep for the whole of France. To be honest, as a looker. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think we are actually like it, it was never going to be the case that Fernando had fallen off the cliff, I don't think. He might have diminished a little bit in his time away from Formula One. You know, he's an older guy now, but I don't think he was ever going to be miles behind Ocon like we kinda saw him in the first few races of the season. Where we saw a lot of the new drivers who are coming into teams uh look behind their their counterparts um for the first few races of the season and it's all really coming together now for a lot of the drivers except for you know Daniel Ricardo but uh, <laughs> but uh yeah anyway he 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 was always going to make that step forward now it's really a case of can he really put the pressure on Ocon to be that number one driver at Alpine and if he mm. can that's going to make Alpine a really really strong team uh, maybe not, you know, challenging for that top of the midfield kind of battle, but certainly putting the pressure on Alpha Tauri and uh, Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. So Alpine were the first of the teams who had a kind of mixed bag result, one not finishing and one finishing very well. The second team, of course, Aston Martin. Uh, we've seen that Lance Stroll, uh, the, the controversial tyre explosion. Pirelli are saying that 
the rear left tire is not the most worn uh, tire on the track. Um, it should have gone up to 45 laps is what Pirelli were saying. He was only on 30 laps. Uh, Fionn, what did you make of it? Do you have your suspicions about the integrity of the Pirelli tires? Or are you thinking a bit of debris in the track just got unlucky? Uh, I have my suspicions on the tires, right? Of course they're going to go. Well, we haven't done our tests yet, but all signs point to debris. But like the debris tends to leave, tends to be slightly slower all the teams were saying they didn't have any warning beforehand. Uh, and the thing that makes me the most suspicious is, okay, I can see for Verstappen, Stroll crashed on the straight. Maybe he took a bit of debris that wasn't. But no one had crashed on that straight. There usually isn't debris on the straight. It's usually the most clean. Like, the mar everyone knows exactly where the marbles are. It's a dead straight line. So, that's what makes me the most suspicious about the fact that it was... Maybe a structural failure as opposed to a, a debris puncture. Mm. It is worth noting that earlier on in the race, so I was interested about which tyre was actually the most worn tyre. And earlier on in the race, um, Red Bull's team radio were on to Verstappen saying, just look after that rear right. That's what we need to worry about here. And it was the rear left that exploded. So that's why I'm thinking it doesn't make sense that two rear rights explode when a rear left, the rear left is actually... Or two rear lefts explode when the rear right is the most uh, worn on the track. Why wouldn't that one be the one to explode? But Rain, what's your take on the whole whole topic? Well, look, I don't want anybody to call me Nostradamus or anything, but I kind of mentioned that Pirelli are getting a little bit soft a couple of weeks ago. And I said it last year as well with Silverstone. I think that because they have the monopoly on the market in Formula 1 in terms of tyres, they're getting a little bit complacent in terms of their... Uh, structural soundness and they're testing in terms of what tyres should be used on track. There was a question before this Grand Prix happened uh, as to whether or not the tyres would be sufficiently uh, you know, structurally sound to withstand this because they'd gone a compound softer than they ever had uh, at the track before. Now, for them to go, no, 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 everything is fine, We the compounds are fine and then to have two rear left blowouts at pretty much the same point on the straight, it's a little bit suspicious, all right? Because, you know, if you're... If a tire is going to burst due to debris, it's more than likely going to pick up that piece of debris, right? Uh, during the phase of it bursting the tire. We saw two guys, two guys in the same spot, which means the debris didn't move which means it was part of the track so why didn't uh, a marshal or something see that i'm just a little bit suspicious as to whether or not you know obviously pirelli are gonna say no 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 this wasn't our fault of course, of course. yeah it's also worth looking though that giovanazzi went 42 laps on them tires that's 12 laps more that's significant amount uh of of laps more than stroll and verstappen went but no tire blowout there, and no even reports that it was close to an explosion. So I suppose we'll see in the coming races, as the commentators were saying, there's there's far more uh, load-heavy tracks. And if it happens again, we'll, we'll probably know for sure then that it is a problem with the integrity of the tires. But anyway, moving back to Aston Martin on the other side of the garage, Fionn, your call at the start of the year seems to be totally out of the water now. Vettel, P2, a little bit lucky, but great drive nonetheless. 
yeah, they had a fantastic strategy this race, I think, for both drivers. I would have liked to see what Stroll could do on that long, long to short strategy. The reverse of what a lot of guys were doing on track. Uh, you never know a, a red flag that or a, a safety car during that time right at the end, right when Verstappen's came, could have suited him really nicely. Uh, yeah, I would like to point out to Rain at this point, I never said Vettel was going to be shite. I said it would take him a long time to get used to the car and that Vettel or that Stroll would beat him in the long run across the season. Now, hold my hands up. Probably it looks like I'm going to be wrong on that one. But that's the point of a hot take, right? You got to you gotta call it early. You got to put your neck out there. They're not mm -hmm. always coming true. But I would well, I would like to defend myself. And ne I never did I say that Vettel was a shit driver at any point. You can you can replay the clip, Brogan, I'm you, sure, you in gave, slow motion. But <laughs> You gave him a lot of stick about spinning and being a Beyblade and all that sort of thing. <laughs> yes. And that's, but, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But also what you said was, you know, the only reason Vettel will come ahead of Stroll uh, is because Aston Martin won't get a single other point in the rest of the season or very few. No, I said Alpine. And I, I said Alpine. No, you said that about Aston Martin as well. You said So I've called, might... I've called every team this season to only get one more point for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think you could say it about Alfa Romeo at this point. You can certainly say it about wrong. Mercedes at this point. It's looking rocky. Yeah, it is looking rocky. Yeah. So, Rain Vettel, obviously, great drive. What did you make of it? Absolutely unbelievable. Got voted driver of the day, and I one hundred percent agree with it. The he he just he looked like the Sebastian Vettel of old, and it was just lovely to see out on track. And you yeah. know, obviously, the strategy played a lot into that. And I agree with Fionn. I was interested to see what Stroll would do. And um, you know, he seemed convinced that they were overcutting the whole field. Um, so yeah, I was I was interested to see what was going to go. Uh, you know, it would have been a great result to even get a point out of that, starting from from twentieth on the grid. So yeah, just overall a good day for uh, Vettel, and I think a good day for Aston Martin as well. I don't think they'll really mind that that DNF happens. They're they're happy that Stroll got out of the car and he seems healthy afterwards. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the, the, their most points on a race weekend. Yeah, it? yeah, so even with this the year, hundred percent. Yeah, so I mean, it is a good day for Aston Martin. Now, cap space might come into question. Uh, any, anytime you see a big shunt like that, uh, uh, the first thought in my head is, how are they going to deal with this later on in the season when you know money gets a bit tight? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so absolutely, we'll see. Guys, I have a question. I have a question. So we were talking about Vettel and Stroll and my prediction at the start of the season. Do you think the Aston Martin boys are the two most well-matched teammates in terms of, not necessarily maybe points at this point because we're quite early, but in terms of skill-wise and in the car, the two cars that they have? No. Uh, I think Giovinazzi and Raikkonen are the two most evenly matched at this point. Um, you know, yeah, two-time two world champion versus future eight-time world champion. Uh, <laughs> Alfa yeah. Romeo do have highly matched drivers. And if you had asked me this question just before Bahrain, I probably would have told you that McLaren have one of the best matched teams. But it seems to me still, that... They might still. They might still. Like, it might be just the, the case that Ricardo's taken longer to adjust than anybody else. I personally feel that next season, Ricardo will be there or thereabouts. Now, that might be too long. And we've all been talking about, oh, will Ricardo get fed up and move off again? But... Will McLaren get fed up and go, listen, 
We want someone who can drive the car now rather than in two years or a year, you know? Well, but, if, if Lewis Hamilton becomes available, say, the homecoming. He's racing for Williams next year. We all know it. <laughs> That's the Valtteri, thing. Would him and Bottas get dropped? <laughs> Latifi up in a Merck doing skis. <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's another interesting question. It, let's just say that Mercedes are like, listen, you have too much of a big voyage and you're too blessed for us. <laughs> and then McLaren you get go, too lucky on a race. Weekend, the way he I'm talks sorry, in every just... interview, he'd swear he was racing for Williams. Like, oh, what? I can't believe we pulled this through. What a fantastic effort from us. We're so terrible. And somehow we managed <laughs> yeah, to finish. My, my legs, my legs are so sore from cycling the bicycle that's inside our car. A seven time in a row championship winning car. I'm so That's happy. That's 100% second. I can't believe it. 100% <laughs> they're sandbagging FPs. Free practices. Like, they're literally like, <laughs> right, this time it's uh, Lewis's time for all his mechanics to put blindfolds on while they're working with the car. And then they only have FP3 to fix everything wrong that they do. All right, let's get in Ferrari's mechanics to do the strategy now for FP2. <laughs> right. Oh, really good. Anyway, so I have a little change of subject here. And if this is shy, it will be cut, so you won't be hearing it. But I'm going to pit yous against each other. Oh, class. I have a, Victory. I have a quiz question. Absolutely love it. Ferrari. I have qu- Victory. Quiz question, and I know you two are particularly competitive against each other. So, what I'm going to do, there has been 32 countries to host a Formula One Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. 11 of them don't have a race on the calendar this season. Starting with Rain, I want you to name me one of the 11 that don't have a race on the calendar this season, but have held a race in the past. And the first one, you go tit for tat, and the first one to get one wrong loses. Countries. So, countries that have hosted a Grand Prix. I'd start off easy and then move into the harder stuff. Singapore. Singapore is correct. South Hang Africa. On, Oof. Jesus Singapore God. is correct. <laughs> South Africa is correct. Woohoo! Officially. officially. So it's actually 12. I didn't have South Africa. Really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bonus. That's Double a straight up win. That's a win. South Africa is correct. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say. So, I'm going to try catch him out again and say San Marino. <laughs> so there's 13 countries. <laughs> San Marino Grand Prix was in Italy, though. But it's the San Marino Grand Prix. Okay, well, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you, Wikipedia. <laughs> I suppose so. Right. From now on, I'll give you that one. But I'm not accepting, like, the Styrian Grand Prix. Now no, Styria okay? is not a country. Now I'm out. Yeah, but I'm not taking regions or right, any okay, shit okay, like okay, that. Okay. It's countries that have hosted Grand Prix. You got away with that one, right? Uh, Japan. Japan's on it. And Japan <laughs> have a, gr- a race this season. Was it Canada? Was Canada have been lizard. correct? Canada, Canada would have been correct. You know what? For shits and giggles, we'll, we'll keep China? going. You've won. Canada, China, yeah. Keep going. Uh... Subject to change, by the way, because obviously Singapore dropping out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other big news I forgot to mention. Singapore is off the calendar. Will not be going to Singapore. I already brought it up, Brogan. Our fans know. Is Belgium on it? Obviously, Fionn! 
Mexico. Mexico has a race this season. Oh, it does, does it? It's back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in terms of regions, is there more in Asia? No. Uh, yes. Yes. There's... That's not a tick. Uh, one, two. Was there a Hong Kong three. Grand Prix? No. There's three more Asian locations that Philippines. You no. I don't know. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll go through the list. So, it was China, Canada, Germany. No German Grand Prix well, this no season. No German Grand Prix this season. No German Grand Prix this season. India, of course. Oh, of course. Malaysia, of course. Malaysia's gone. Malaysia's gone. Malaysia's been gone for a few yeah, years. Yeah, has, yeah. The Morocco Grand Prix, one I personally didn't know. Oh, oh yeah. The South Korean Grand Prix. Uh, the Swedish Grand Prix. Didn't know that. That's in Sweden. That probably hasn't been around for a long time. And the Swiss Grand Prix. If motor racing is banned in Switzerland at the moment. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, for emissions. Do tell more. For emissions. I believe it's something to do with emissions and uh, noise noise complaints. So, well, not noise complaints, but noise pollution. So the Swiss being the Swiss are all about, you know, their citizens... And I think someone died in Switzerland about five or six years ago during a motor race, and they were like, right, that's it, no more. We're not doing mm. it. There's too many negatives involved and not and enough I presume, positives. I presume if you're found to be motor racing, you're thrown in jail for 17 years and perhaps yeah. killed. Yeah, well, there was there was the classic Jeremy Clarkson story where he was pulled over by the guards with a uh, machine gun sitting in his passenger seat and the guards pulled him over and said to him your um your exhaust is too loud <laughs> <laughs> obviously gun control laws are lax in switzerland well because Very everybody few... is officially a member of the army in switzerland ah mm. that's an elite tactic for having a big <laughs> army isn't it's it it's fantastic yeah that's pretty elite. Anyway, that was the the quiz of quizzes it might return next week we'll see yeah, if you yeah, aren't that's the shit one. Bro, you aren't the Google, shit next Google, time. Google if Bernau has ever hosted a Grand Prix. Bernau. Bernau. B-R-N-O. The Czech. B-R-N-O. Uh, I think it's motorcycles, Ren. Yeah, the annual went, motorcycle Grand Prix. I thought they went there like... It's the Moto Jippers. T- for two years or something. No. But, okay, m- maybe I'm wrong. That's fair enough. Yes, boys. Ring, ding, ding. <laughs> Anyway, we will get back onto the topic of Formula One, and we will move on up to Ferrari. Yeah, Fionn, you're obviously the Ferrari fan, as we mentioned. Yeah. Every week. Do analyze it first. What Bit- did you make? Bittersweet, bittersweet. I think if you'd have told Leclerc that he was on pole and he'd finish fourth, you know what? We would take that because let's be honest, there's four cars faster than us, so anything above fifth is a great result. Now, if you show him at the end that Vettel and Glasley are ahead of him, disappointing, disappointing. But, Upset. you know, a fourth place is pretty good for Ferrari. We'll take that. Uh, Sainz 
Finished 8th. What did he start? Ninth, I think? Or maybe 7th? Maybe 8th? He didn't really move anywhere. That's okay. Considering he dropped down to 13th at one point with that huge lockup after he came out of the pits. Good drive back to where he got to. Uh, but overall, a chance missed, I think, to put a big gap between us and McLaren in the Constructors' Championship. Rain, your very non-biased view of Ferrari's uh, result? Well, I'm going to take this time to uh, to take the opportunity to just educate our listeners on uh, what some of the you know more complicated things about motorsport is in terms of the rules. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the flags. So a yellow flag means slow down. Uh, there is uh, something in your area. A hazard in your area that may need you to slow down or stop for. A black and white flag means you have been unsportsmanlike in your conduct, so don't do it again. And a red flag means uh, Leclerc gets pole position and obviously squanders it after that. But yeah, anyway, going back to being a little bit serious. Um, I'd say it is actually a disappointing result for Ferrari. Um, Science looked off the ball the entire race until the very end uh, he was running in 15th for a long time um, I disagree I think he was cruising before he put those white tyres on and that lockup put a, put the hex on him and I thought he, he dropped pretty well he got all the way back up to 8th from 15th it really depends on your definition of a good drive if, is one, if you drive the race of your life but have one catastrophic error and you finish ninth, is that it's a good true. drive? it's true well to pick your way up the field I think at any at any stage of the race is a a good driver. I'm not calling it great. I'm not calling it the driver's career. I'm not giving him too many plaudits. But you know, you have to recover from these things. And as recoveries go, it's a pretty decent recovery. Obviously, you'd much prefer he didn't make the mistake in the first place. Of course, mm, absolutely agreed. Rain. Yeah. So, like I was saying, I mean, like Fionn, you said that uh, initially. You said Alonso got lucky. Uh, with the restart um, why does that same logic not apply to Carlos Sainz like he was in I think it was ninth place or something or 10th place at the restart and managed to bump his way up to 8th uh, after the restart like it's it's the same logic and I think Carlos Sainz needs to be a li- or not Carlos Sainz uh, Leclerc needs to be a little bit disappointed that he didn't even finish on the podium today uh, I know Ferrari have been on the podium in every race because they've bought the rights to the uh the champagne but um yeah for none of their cars to have finished on the podium this season even when they look as strong as they do oh sorry no carlos Sainz finished in monaco never mind but uh yeah it's it's been a little bit disappointing for uh charles leclerc in particular this season that that vettel double overtake on leclerc and uh gasly was an absolute beauty oh it was unbelievable yeah unbelievable so why are ferrari so good and particularly Charles Leclerc. Sometimes so it may be good. Saturday. Sometimes it may sometimes be shit. Sometimes it may be shit. Sometimes it may be good. Sometimes it may be shit. <laughs> They're particularly good on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Charles Leclerc has nine pole positions in his career, but only two race wins. Mm-hmm. It's a the strategy. <laughs> well, he's go- he's going towards Bottas territory there. How many poles does that guy have? Like eighteen, and he has one race win from podium. Yeah, or from from Paul, that's shocking. Yeah, the, the, is there a danger that we've overhyped Charles Leclerc? 
No. I think I think his racecraft is very, very, very good. Like when he's on form, very few can actually beat him. But there's just way too many mistakes there. Like we see it not weekly, but maybe three or four or five times in a season, we see this kind of like inexperience almost, but he has experience. So it's it's just immaturity maybe the same we don't see in other drivers of that age and of that experience so take max verstappen max verstappen very rarely makes a mistake anymore Um, Mm. whereas leclerc seems to do it on a regular basis i completely disagree with rain i think the reason he hasn't got so many wins is this race the azerbaijan race is a perfect example he can put in an amazing lap they we can get lucky on strategy as a ferrari team he got that toe that he needed and he put in a fantastic lap because the toe is only good on the straight, right? He put in a super clean lap in the middle of the race and, and he gets the most out of that Ferrari. But the reality is in the race, like, Ferrari are too far behind Red Bull and Mercedes. Like, they just mm. slaughtered them. Like, they went flying past them. And they, that's, I think, the problem. It's a little bit like Russell in his Williams, right? He If it's a one lap, that's where his talent shines yeah he crashes maybe a little bit too much than when you want on the qualifying but uh personally i think i don't have any issues with his racecraft it's just a slow car or not fast enough to compete and because maybe he's up the front trying to defend it means he doesn't get those opportunities that norris can where he doesn't quite qualify in first but he sticks with that pack and any kind of mistake by those top three guys, he can jump in and we've seen him get podiums from that in the past. And I think Leclerc puts himself nearly at a disadvantage by trying to hold those top positions and getting picked off and driving that Mm. super hard. Whereas when you're back, maybe you can just close at your own pace and make sure you're there, always there to jump on any mistakes that come out of the top three. But at the end of the day, it's a results-based game. Yeah, and absolutely. It's something needs to change there for Charles Leclerc. Well, a, four, a fourth then is a great result. If you're, if you're going totally blind and just look at results, fourth for a Ferrari is a phenomenal achievement. Yeah. So that's okay. way too black and white. Like, there's a yeah. lot of other mitigating factors there. I'm talking about, like in stops. general, in general, Leclerc's results are not where they should be. I think they are. Remember how bad the Ferrari car has been since he got there, basically. Seb, a four-time world champion, was so pissed off with the car and the Ferrari team that he left. Now, Charles is locked in there for six years. And he has not had a fast car for at least the three previous seasons prior to this. Maybe half a season in 2019 while they were cheating. And then they got caught. But before that, (laughs) they were brutal. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So we'll move on to, and Fionn, you're licking your lips to get onto this as well, McLaren. Particularly. In terms of results, it actually wasn't bad at all. That's what I was about to say. So there, you snarky little bastard. I was like, they both both gained four or five spots. They, They completely negated what was potentially a disaster for them from a Saturday into a an excellent showing on Sunday. Now, would you like, as a, a McLaren fan, Ricardo to be much further up the standards? I'm sure you would. Of course you would. But sticking right behind both of the Ferraris based on where they qualified, that's a great result. Ferrari are only two points ahead now in the in the constructors. Yeah, it was looking like track. it was going to be a much better day for McLaren as well. Ricardo looked like he would have finished ahead of 
uh, science before the restart. Uh, so, yeah, like, I mean, both of the McLaren cars were one car behind a Ferrari. Now, if you flip one of those around, then it doesn't look that bad at all, particularly if it's the top car. So if, if Norris had a hit, finished ahead of Leclerc, then we would have been talking, oh, great race for uh, McLaren, considering where they came from on the grid all the way up through. But because both cars finished behind both Ferraris, respectively, then we're talking about as if, like, oh, you know, it's it's not that great. Now, yes, Ricardo needs to start qualifying and finishing higher up the grid. We've said it every week up until now. But, I mean, the way he did come through the field there today, or yesterday, he looked quite comfortable uh, behind the wheel. And I think, you know, it's it's a positive sign. So maybe moving forward to some of the more traditional European circuits, you know, Spielberg has been good to the McLarens uh, in recent years. We might see a very strong showing from both cars uh, at both of the Austrian races in the near future. So how, how I would judge a weekend is, Rain, are you happy with the result? Before, looking at how you would have wanted it to go no, before he came in. Doing, doing a Fionn Malloy macro view, no, not happy at all. You're not happy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Fionn, are you happy with how Ferrari did this weekend? Doing a doing a Ray Malloy view of a macro picture, I absolutely am, because the goal has to be beat McLaren, and now we're two points ahead of McLaren. Okay, interesting. So, now we move up to the uh, the other team who had a, a, a suspicious tyre blowout, Red Bull. Obviously, I'm being the Red Bull fan. Um, and on the red flag... That must I be was so absent. hard, Brogan. Oh, yeah, no. It's tough. It Make really is tough. a decent team, really. <laughs> <laughs> when the red flag was thrown, I had my head in my hands. I was very upset. Um, obviously, I, actually, Perez- I actually started shouting at my phone. I was watching it on my phone because I was away on my holidays. But I started shouting at the phone saying, the FIA just love fucking Mercedes. They're going to they're gonna hand Hamilton this win again. They could have finished under safety car and it would have been a beautiful little uh, happy days win for Checo Perez. But actually, I'm happier that they went to the red flag now. Hindsight, you know. Yeah. Um, see, because obviously Checo was, was winning at the time. Uh, and I've been a famous... Uh, well, not hater. <laughs> I've been a hater of Checo Perez in the past, despite him racing for my team. But I was still upset, and then obviously Hamilton fucked it up into the first corner. I heard it was Mattia Bonato stuck the magic on uh, Lewis Hamilton's car and made him fly into the first corner. Remains to be seen. It's a meatball. Present <laughs> That's what it was. It was the pasta boiling on his on his brakes. That's what we saw before the restart. <laughs> I heard like, they made spinata. his brakes out of a uh, pizza dose. That's what Bonotto mm-hmm. was making pasta on the pit wall. And everyone knows in Italy to check if your pasta's ready, you throw it against the wall. And if it sticks, it's ready. It sticks, and he it's missed ready. the pit wall. It stuck to Hamilton's brake pad. And he just went, Fafow! No, Hamilton no. got Hamilton got notions and decided to throw his Mercedes against the wall to see if it was ready. <laughs> if it stuck. <laughs> he thought yeah. he got spooked when he saw that Russell was going into the pit and he thought he was gonna come up behind him <laughs> at any second, so he's trying to outbreak him. <laughs> he's like, ah! <laughs> he's been listening to the podcast and he knew Russell was after him. Anyway, like, we're not we're not Where's he gone? He's not Mercedes yet. We're not talking we're not about We're not talking about Mercedes, yes. We're talking about Red Bull. And before the podcast started during the week before the race weekend 
I had a question, I sometimes have questions written down in my phone's notes, and one of my questions was, why is Max Verstappen always so far ahead of his teammate? Do you think Red Bull build a car for Max Verstappen and just say, if you can keep up, that'll do us? But obviously, that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to, it's, it's, it's shown to be possible to keep up with Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he wasn't on the same pace. He was about three or four seconds behind for most of the time. But that's still a lot closer than we've seen any other teammate run with Verstappen. So, what are we seeing now? Are we seeing someone getting used to a car? Are we seeing a car that's easier to drive? Uh, Rain, you have a point? Yeah, I, I just want to jump in. Uh, I wanted to jump in ahead of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tactics. Sorry, answer. It's where I answer Un- first. Undercut under him. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think Red Bull build a car to suit Max Verstappen. I just think he's been in the system that long that he's used to the car. And mm. maybe the other guys who came into the team, you know, Alex Albon I wasn't too fond of anyway, but Pierre Gasly maybe wasn't given enough time to get accustomed to that car. And I think Checo is... <laughs> A more experienced driver. He's been through more teams. He's a bit of a journeyman, you know. He's been to pretty much everybody on the grid now at this stage. Um, so, yeah, he... Uh, well, I know I'm exaggerating, bro. Don't give me that face. But... <laughs> uh, a sober McLaren, Force India slash Racing Point. Didn't he, po- didn't he podium yeah, for... four of out of ten teams, Brogan. Well, well, okay, fair enough. Journeyman, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, so... I think he is now getting used to the car. And I think you guys were being a little bit cruel to him initially. Like, he, he has gotten race results where the other guys hadn't uh, in their first few races in the car. I know Albon started out, like, hot shit. But, I mean, like, that, that went pretty south pretty quick. But, yeah, getting back to it today, you mentioned as well that he was, like, three or four seconds behind... Uh, Verstappen for a lot of the race. I think that was tactical. I think that was holding up uh, Lewis Hamilton. You know, we saw on the restart immediately. Or not on the restart. Yeah, it was on the restart after the safety car with Stroll. Immediately, uh, Max Verstappen was three or four seconds ahead of Perez. And then the gap gap stuck. So I think Verstappen got the jump on him, though. Well, I don't think it was. I'm not sure it was. I think maybe... Red Bull, were, Red Bull were in the air going, look, a 1-3 is better than a 2-3 if Hamilton gets by both Checo and uh, Max if they're battling for the lead. I think they go, look, Max is ahead in the championship. You hold up, uh, Lewis. We're confident that you're a good enough defensive driver to keep him behind you. Fionn thinks Hamilton is a bad wheel-to-wheel racer. We've been on the phone to him. Uh, so <laughs> we want you to just keep him behind. That's what it looked like to me. It was just like they, they were keeping uh, Hamilton far enough behind Verstappen that he wouldn't get the race win. Hmm. I'm not convinced. Fionn? I think it's come down to that settling in process that all the new guys have. I don't know if it makes sense to design a car for one driver right now. Obviously, you have a design philosophy each each team does and and it's possible that the design philosophy aligns really nicely with max's natural driving style but 
I think what a lot of people underestimate is how much input the drivers have in the setup of their own car, right? There's a lot of their mm. own feedback where they want the balance to be, how they want the car to feel under them. So they drive, it fits their driving groove as naturally as possible. Uh, mm. And I think, yeah, you're right. I think it's just Max looked good out of the gates because he has it down to a T, right? He's worked in this car. Okay, the downforce is a tiny bit changed this year, but the, he knows exactly what he needs to say to get the car to feel the way he has and a lot of new guys need to change maybe their vocabulary or get a sense of how the chassis is raw and then kind of build up what they need race on race as they go so yeah uh, and by the way if you can find a clip of me bashing perez that rain alluded to a minute ago <laughs> let me know i i was always pretty sure that i kind of no, no, pretty neutral no on cliff, but the two the two of you guys a couple of weeks ago in the group were saying he's not a, a number two driver sure. for for Verstappen. I will hold my hands up and say that yes, I I said that I didn't want him as my number two driver. Yeah, you got done there, bro. And I I'm I'm starting to see that yeah, I was probably a bit early out the gates. He's brand new into the team, didn't know the setup, blah blah blah. If you said Sebastian Vettel is free at the end of the year, I'd still pick Sebastian Vettel as my number two driver. I'm I maybe that's just a personal bias against Perez, I don't particularly like him as a driver, uh, but me, I still think racist. I still think there's more to get out of that. Yeah, that's that what race. it sounds like, like. You look at when Mark Webber and Sebastian Vettel. Mark Webber still won races and he challenged Seb every now and then. Now he wasn't exactly on his level. There, I think there's still a margin. It's more like a a Mercedes kind of scenario where. Hamilton is miles ahead of Bottas, but Bottas is still good enough to do that job and slot in behind him. I, for me personally, I would rather someone two people who are fighting at the top, uh, for for the the one two kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it sounds and like yes, to me. That, that might mean that might mean uh, the occasional zero point weekend because they crash each other out. But like, if you look at the the rivalry that Verstappen and Ricardo have had when when ricardo was still at red bull if he had stayed and they kept this driver line up until now i think red bull could be running away with it well i think your point about wanting vettel over perez is that uh it sounds like me you're talking about driver ceiling not necessarily perez's ability to be a second driver if you know what i mean i don't know if i don't know if vettel is a better second driver now you can argue he's a better driver and if your philosophy is you want the two best drivers possible in your team then you're correct but i think if you're like you mentioned if you want a mercedes setup where you have a clear second driver and a clear first driver i think perez is an excellent option i think that's the way f1 is going these days is they do have that huge contract long-term talent that they want to win all the championships and they actually don't give a shit about the second driver. They just want the guy who can control the rest of the I don't think it's so much the that they don't give a shit. I think they genuinely want them to be racing behind. Like, Vettel... Well, not with, I, behind. Yeah, exactly. Vettel has a little bit of a temper issue sometimes. I mean, we saw Azerbaijan a couple of years ago. Do you remember when uh, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton brake-checked him? Brake-checked him, and then he came up to the outside of him and gave him a little shunt like bumper cars? The closest we've come to sending Hamilton to Amsterdam. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, so, do you really want that going up against Max Verstappen? Like, 
you will have zero point races. Like zero points is a lot less than a second and third place or a first and third place or a first and fourth place. It's not like they they just want them to be in and around. They don't want them to be competing anymore. What I want, I personally, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here and this isn't the philosophy an F1 team should go for. But I would rather a Rosberg Hamilton than a Rosberg or than a Hamilton Bottas. That kind of. Or ideally, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind the two teammates fighting. That I would be absolutely happy with that. Like, Ricardo and Verstappen did get a bit feisty in the end. We've seen it in Azerbaijan when they kind of fell out over that crash. Now, they were kind of mates and all for the media and blah, blah, blah. But there was definitely some feistiness there. And I quite like that. But, I mean, that's fine when you're at the very, very front of the grid. Like, the loudest situation where they had Maldonado and Grosjean didn't work. Because the two of them were mad bastards. It didn't yeah, but work. But the two of them were mad bastards. Like, neither of them are on the level of Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo. You know? And and it wasn't a championship contending car. It was quite a quick car at the time, granted. But it was never going to win the world championship. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, look. You, you, I guess you do want the talent there as long as they're going to be respectful of each other. Like, they... they I just think I would like to see Vettel and uh, Verstappen in the same car again. But at the same time, I don't think Christian Horner would because it's the two big egos and the two guys who have been known in the past to have a little bit of a temper issue in terms of like the stuff they do on track. So I, it's just more of a risk for him that he needs to take at the moment. I, I guess if they get that real championship car under their belt then I think at that point they they pull the trigger but they didn't mm. know they had a real championship car at the start of this season and I don't yeah. think they do know whether they'll have a real championship car for next season with That's the big real, ch- real changes coming in I think they'd be really worried with Vettel with that high rate car that if he starts doing the spinny boys you might take off <laughs> like a That's not how high Always rate works <laughs> Higher center of gravity, so just <laughs> spirals <laughs> upwards. Gallon, Turns like. into a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> so, really quick, just before we move on to Mercedes, in a few words, sum up uh, Checo Perez's race film. How did you make it? Uh, his best performance so far. Okay, Brian? Absolutely zero flaws from start to finish. Yeah, very good. So, finally, for the second race in a row... Mercedes have an absolute catastrophic time. They bombed it. And this time, it it wasn't a case of... <laughs> a Valtteri came to Hamilton. Woo-hoo. Valtteri did beat Hamilton. But that is true. What's worse? <laughs> having a mistake that makes you finish last or drive so shit for the entire race that you finish 13th? Oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. That was like... Valtteri Bottas lost six places in eight corners <laughs> on, on the restart I think from the safety car Total that Wolf. is ridiculous Toto Wolf is looking like Scroto Wolf at the moment and we've seen it when, when Valdery is behind he's off the pace he's really off the pace we've seen it in Turkey he spun four times in Turkey admittedly poor weather they, but he spun more than anyone else they pulled half of a car out of his bonnet like 
Yeah. Did you well, not see that? There was a huge piece of debris stuck in one of the side pods. Was that not... That was I'm... Imola, no? And maybe, he did quite well maybe in that race. He, mm-hmm. he held off for Stappen for quite a while. Um, but anyway... Yeah, it just seems like when, when Valtteri's off the pace, he is really off the pace. And it was one of the, the those races today. He was in. He started P10, which is massively out of shape. Obviously, down to the red flag. He got what so he... done. He was like, here, go out and give everyone a slipstream. And we won't give you a slipstream whatsoever. Sorry, buddy. So, honestly, it, he, it, the treatment of Bottas he is criminal. absolutely lashed oh, honestly, out the of Instagram it. post from the official Mercedes page going, yes, what a result in quality. P2 for Lewis and P10 for Bottas. I'm like... What the fuck? If that was me, I'd be like, no, I'm not signing another contract with Use Guns. I am out of here. I heard like I heard their problems have stemmed from their new uh, chief engineer that they signed called Bateo Minato. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they were listening to the podcast there a couple of weeks ago and uh, they're like, ooh, what is this scrotum of the grid? We need to get involved there. So they, they absolutely did this race. Yeah, they, they did. They had a look around. Uh, I don't think they particularly liked it. So I'm expecting them to be back up the top. Surgically inserted themselves into the scrotum of the grid. Indeed. I'd like but to see that. Leads. I'd like to see this Haas-Mercedes battle play out in France. <laughs> when Haas have that, that speed differential that, they, that they're that they going to use to their advantage. <laughs> to to mm. use the, uh, the American football analogy that they always use, they have old Mo on their side. Momentum. <laughs> old momentum okay interesting um but my my question for mercedes is is do you see any way valtteri bottas is in a mercedes next season yeah (laughs) yeah if he buys one on dundale if he buys no he sold he sold his one on dundale (laughs) i know yeah but where does he Uh, go though does he get straight swapped for russell and goes back to williams or does he retire and go rallying I don't, yeah, I, I, a sabbatical at least, I would say. Um, Goes to Red Bull and takes over Perez's second spot. I don't, I don't think I, Red Bull wouldn't look him. at it and go, why would I want this guy. a shitty second driver for a shitty second driver, you know? Pass. Don't Mazepin for Bottas. But they can't afford him. You know, this is a lad who's been earning probably buckets of money in Mercedes for years. He's not going to want to race one for... That much worse of a team. Fair enough, he takes a step down. But he's going to want to earn a few bob as well. So Williams won't be able to pay him that. Unless Mercedes kind of loan him out. Like it's kind of a swap loan for... uh, For for... One invisible man in Ocon for another invisible man in Bottas. Yeah, I suppose. But send again... Send him to IndyCar so he can finish behind Grosjean. (laughs) <laughs> Alpine have a tasty little um, driver academy, you know, driver program. I don't think they'd want them, uh, and I don't see anywhere else that would want them. Like, who's who's realistically gonna change their drivers? I reckon he'll be, be the president of Finland in a couple of years. That's an, <laughs> that's a genuine. I reckon he will actually become the president of Finland. Like McLaren will be eyeing him up good when Ricardo continues his downwards. 
They just won't. Nobody is going to look at that guy. That's and go, my yeah, new hot need... take. One point left in the season, Ricardo. One point in the one season. One point. Okay. Oh, Interesting. I'll Interesting. take. I'll take that on next race. So when they go to France, he'll get at least one point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Oh come on. Oh. Just because I do hot takes, you all slag me. Where is the last time Brogan did a hot take? I said Albon would do better than Perez. In that the was Red at the Bull very season. start of the season. You haven't had a hot take since. Yeah, I, I, I spit them out every week, and you guys because I don't me agree them. with them. I said that Pirelli are assholes, and that now was a it's good all hot coming take. to fruition. Brogan, you're the you're the head of this thing, and you haven't spit a hot take at us for six weeks. All right, let me let me muster one up right now. What am I feeling? Um, Lando Norris race winner this, this season. Rowan oh, loves the slow burner hot takes where we have to wait till the last race. Oh, yeah. I, I want one for <laughs> so you forget about it, but I'll remember it. So if it comes true, I go, oh, I said that. And if it's not, it just flies under the rug. I want one for France. France. Yeah. Um, okay, France. 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 Uh, Giovanazzi points. I, I am saying for France. Uh, a traditionally low safety car, no safety car, no yellow flag kind of race. I'm saying under 16 finishers and two safety cars on the day. Two safety cars? There's nothing to hit. There's, you can just Each keep other. Mazepin's got to try to kill someone. Mazepin's not quick no, enough I, to kill I keep someone. No, I keep saying Mazepin and he has not done anything stupid the He's last two He's too slow. Weeks. He's at the back. He's too slow. Yeah, he can't, can't get anyone, hit anyone. Even his own teammate is usually 30 seconds down the road. Well, he did try and hit him there yesterday. Yeah, and he was still too slow. <laughs> too slow to catch him. <laughs> Yeah, so safety car is ludicrous in France. There's no wall. You could do just a circle in Le People Castellet have done it on F1 where you just ignore all you the just, corners and just drive there's, really there's, straight there's, for the entire course. It's it's an oval. It is an oval, effectively. But, um, yeah, so, Fionn, what's your, your France? Uh, I'm going to go for type. Ocon. It will beat Alonso. Ocon, podium. Ocon's beating Alonso in every race other than the one he retired from. Yeah, such hot take, Fionn. He continues to have form. Lads, I put out hot takes every single week, right? Don't, don't put me on the spot for this one. Well, Although, it is, um, it is Grosjean's test this week, isn't it? Or in, in France. He's oh, testing yeah. in France, isn't he? So Another poor race from Valtteri, and I mean... Like... <laughs> if he sets lap record or something, you're like... Okay, I'll do this one then. Both Red Bulls to beat both Mercedes. Ooh. Red Bull 1-2? Not necessarily. I'm just saying both. Could be another Mercedes zero pointer. I don't think oh. it will be. Okay. I yeah. think I think Mercedes are going to Mercedes looks strong. out of the water. Yeah, on a, on a track like that, Mercedes looks strong. Can't use the bendy wing anymore. Yeah, but they can use their front bendy wing. That's it. I need to write to the FIA because that's an absolute disgrace. We've seen front onboard thing and that thing goes up and down further than anything else. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. So that will wrap us up for today. Again, no podcast next week because it is another break. But then I think they come ticking fast. I think it's something like four in five four, or something. Four races in five weeks. So that's nice and handy for us. Yeah. But yeah, no podcast next week. Uh, and then the week after that, probably be a short one because it's france and there'll be one overtake um 
Well, there'll be a lot to talk about when Grosjean gets his contract. When Grosjean gets his contract, well, listen. If it happens before, if it happens next week, we'll we'll come on and discuss it in great detail. But until then, uh, we will see you next time. Thank you. Give me a moment here when we come back around. I said, give me a moment.